Welcome to Misty 101 podcast. We hope that you enjoy this episode of our podcast. Aliens are among us and abducting people from Earth, Professor says. A professor has made some frighteningly bold claims. Not only are alien hybrids walking among us, they are also abducting humans and utilizing mind control powers to prepare for a mass takeover, apparently. Dr. David Jacobs, professor of history at Temple University in Pennsylvania specializing in ufology, has written several books on alien abductions. Speaking on Extraordinary, the Revelations, Dr. Jacobs claimed, we have spread around the world and conquered as much as we can, we don't know whether this is true of other beings or not, but it certainly is true of what humans have done. My best guess and this is a guess is that yeah, they're doing the same thing. This is what they do just like us. The professor went on to suggest he had interviewed several abduction survivors. They were told by the extraterrestrials they would have a job to do in the future. Many of the so-called abductees referenced a crowd control instruction. When they get older they will be required to stand on the corner of a street he explained. There will be a large number of people running down the street and your job is to say, just keep moving, everything will be okay. As for what the aliens look like, Dr. Jacobs said some of the abductees claimed they had encountered human-like beings on board their UFOs. He recalled, what they were describing was that the ones on board who looked really really human were coming down and trying to learn what it's like to walk among us, to be human. At that point, I knew, it's integration into society, prior to takeover, they can control us, and we can't control them. They are superhumans, so to speak. Whether they are going to take over or not, they can control the human mind. I don't know what's going to happen after that. I fear the worst. I think that these beings on board UFOs have done this before. Hunt for Russian commanders in charge of Bucca atrocities as Colonel named. The suspected commander of Russian operations in Bucca has been named by Ukrainian sources amid demands for accountability over the atrocities by Vladimir Putin's forces. Lieutenant Colonel Azatbek Omerbekov leads the 64th Separate Motorized Rifle Brigade which occupied the city in Kyiv region where troops are accused of massacring the local population, it is claimed. Growing evidence points to barbarism in Bukha with local women and children reportedly raped and shot. Ukrainian activists and Websal youths have allegedly identified the presence of Omerbekov's forces which are normally based in the far east of Russia, and a number of other Russian military units. Volunteers group Tretyarsila reported, in Bukha there was a military unit 51,460 from the village of Nizvolkonskoy, Kabarovsk region. Soon all these murderers, rapists and looters will be known by name. Inform Napalm volunteers named Omerbekov as Unit 51460 of the 64th Separate Motorized Rifle Brigade amid suspicions of grotesque war crimes in Bukha. Also in the town, according to the Ukrainians, were forces from other several Russian units, 
although so far no other commanders have been named. Russian sources have claimed Ukrainians were responsible for the atrocities in Bukha and other locations, and are the ones guilty of war crimes. The PM will dismiss the Met's fixed penalty notices just like his student parking fines. It's a funny old world, isn't it? I suppose, if you think about it, there is a certain dysfunctional Johnsonian logic about Helen McNamara, the former Director General for Propriety and Ethics in the Cabinet Office, being one of the first people to cop a fine for breaking the Covid lockdown rules. Which is to say, not really living up to the job title, but really wanting to have your cake and eat it. Not just the cake, of course, but the Prosecco and the karaoke too. And, according to reports, it was a raucous gathering where persons unknown had a drunken brawl. McNamara should really have been promoted to Director General for Propriety, Ethics and Cakeism Studies in the Cabinet Office but she went on to be Deputy Cabinet Secretary instead, with an honour thrown in in due course. When she was appointed as the Ethics Tsar, a government minister said that she was a perfect official, fair-minded, doesn't play games, will always try to get at the truth, capable of bringing sense out of five-sided talks. Maybe the bit about not playing games didn't include karaoke, which isn't strictly speaking a game, to be fair. Anyway, it all does indeed prove that you can have your karaoke and eat it, though if you're unlucky, you'll get a modest fine £50 and suffer some passing ridicule from the media. The fine, by the way, is equivalent to about a half hour of her last civil service salary, and she'll not need to cut back on the heating to pay it. Of course it's unfair to malign a civil servant, but it's all we've got at the moment. Such is the curious way these things are ordered. No MPs, no ministers none of the really big party animals have yet to be fined and forward slash or identified. It's just women who've been sacked or fined up till now, strangely enough. There are supposed to be 20 minor characters who've been caught, but we're promised many more. We'll see. I'm happy to say it is probably inevitable that Boris Johnson will be one of them, but equally inevitable that he'll shrug it off like he used to ignore parking fines during his days when he had to drive himself to parties. When he was a student in the 1980s, Johnson ran a Fiat 128 car, known unimaginatively as the Italian Stallion an unremarkable saloon save for one very special feature it was on Belgian number plates. Thus, it could evade even the most determined parking enforcement officer the city of Oxford had at its disposal. He didn't even bother to take the fixed penalty notices off the windscreen, leaving them there until the rain disintegrated them. Strictly, it was also against university rules to have a car in the city but he didn't mind that either. No doubt the same insouciance will be shown to the Covid fines. In due course, the Met's fixed penalty notices for Partygate may similarly end up discarded. Maybe Little Wilf will masticate them into oblivion. Fluff is what he thinks of them, and Fluff is what he thinks of everyone else, and the whole process delayed, postponed, waiting for this, 
waiting for that until Putin starts a war or something else turns up to distract everyone. Not only, he calculated correctly, will people want to move on and tend to apply the Covid standards of today to behavior in 2020 and 2021, when the rules were far stricter, but an appalling armed conflict in Europe will divert criticism. One of the more trivial consequences of the war in Ukraine will be the unwarranted survival of a British Prime Minister. Lying to Parliament, though surely he can't smirk his way out of that. I'm not sure. His denials were usually caveated and craftily worded to allow an escape being that his officials assured him that parties weren't happening, and number 10 and the adjoining 70 Whitehall is a very big place and how can he be expected to know what was going on? Yes, there are pictures, let's see them, of him at parties and the like, but he didn't think they were parties. This is the equivalent of telling the court that you didn't realize you were doing 103.5 miles per hour on the M1 because the car was so smooth and quiet. The judge would look askance but you can stick to your story because you know your mates will believe you, anyhow, and everyone speeds, don't they? In the case of Johnson and Partygate, what your mates think is as important as what the criminal justice system and the police think. If lying to Parliament or knowingly misleading it is a resigning matter, or if breaking the laws you made are resigning matters, then who decides that you must resign? who adjudicates on whether the ministerial code was broken. Why the independent adviser on ministerial conduct, of course Lord Guite. But as we all know by now, he can't start investigations himself, but has to be asked to do so by, the Prime Minister. The Speaker of the House of Commons might take a view on a Prime Minister lying to the House but he can't actually do anything about it except tell them off and make his disgust known. Apart from Johnson himself voluntarily quitting as a matter of honour, an absurdity as Olympian as the Director General for Propriety and Ethics in the Cabinet Office being fined for unethical conduct, the only people who can sack the Prime Minister remain his colleagues in the Parliamentary Conservative Party. They might do it but they'll probably be inclined to wait, again, until after the local elections next month, at which point the fines will be further in the past, another long commons holiday beckons, and Johnson can blame war, the last Labour government and Covid, ironically, for the cost of living crisis and general mess they'll be in. I think the Prime Minister might have another party to celebrate that. He could get McNamara to organize the karaoke machine. Russia trying to cover up war crimes but they cannot deceive the whole world, says Ukraine's president. Ukraine's president has vowed to identify Russian troops behind alleged war crimes, saying that Moscow cannot deceive the whole world despite its attempts to distort the facts. Russian soldiers have been accused of carrying out genocide amid evidence of mass graves and torture as Kremlin forces pull back from Kyiv. More than 300 bodies have been discovered in the town of Bukha, around 16 miles from Kyiv, including those of four people who had their hands tied behind their backs in the basement of what was a children's holiday camp. Giving a presidential address, 
Volodymyr Zelensky said that civilians in liberated areas of the Kyiv, Chernihiv and Sumy regions had been subjected to treatment not seen even during the Nazi occupation 80 years ago. Zelensky to address UN Security Council on war crime allegations later today. UK Foreign Secretary says it is very clear war crimes have been committed in Ukraine. China's foreign minister holds first call with Ukrainian counterpart since the 1st of March. World leaders call for Russia's removal from UN Human Rights Council. Pledging to bring Russian troops to account for every crime they commit, Mr. Zelensky warned that the occupiers will try to hide the traces of their crimes. They are already launching a false campaign to conceal their guilt in the mass killings of civilians in Mariupol, he said. They will do dozens of stage interviews, re-edited recordings, and will kill people specifically to make it look like they were killed by someone else. Russia is trying to distort the facts, he added. But, as then, they will not succeed. They will not be able to deceive the whole world. The time will come when every Russian will learn the whole truth about who of their fellow citizens killed. Who gave orders? Who turned a blind eye to the murders? We will establish all this. And make it globally known. Mr. Zelensky renewed his call for more lethal aid from Western leaders, questioning why they had been gripped by doubts and indecision. He said, if we had already got what we needed, all these planes, tanks, artillery, anti-missile and anti-ship weapons, we could have saved thousands of people. I do not blame you, I blame only the Russian military. But you could have helped. On Monday, Mr. Zelensky visited Bukha for his first reported trip outside the capital since the Russian invasion began nearly six weeks ago. Later today he will address the UN Security Council on allegations of war crimes in the town and other parts of Ukraine. Moscow has categorically denied killing civilians in Bukha, claiming the allegations are stage-managed anti-Russian provocation. Footage of bodies lying in the streets of Bukha and the discovery of what Ukrainian prosecutors described as a torture chamber have led to international condemnation with U.S. President Joe Biden calling for a war crimes trial. Calling Russian President Vladimir Putin brutal, Mr. Biden said, what's happening in Bukha is outrageous and everyone sees it. Germany said it had expelled 40 Russian envoys over the atrocities in Bukha, while France says it will kick out 35 diplomats. Meanwhile, EU leaders say the bloc will impose further sanctions on Russia and pledge more support for Ukraine. Bodies in basements, mass graves and evidence of torture, the town Russian troops left behind. Wearing plastic gloves and a face mask, Serhij Matuyuk has seen horror beyond description over the past month. His job is to retrieve and bury bodies in the Ukrainian town of Bukha where evidence has emerged of possible war crimes by Russian forces. They are b asterisk 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 s he said, standing by a large white van, waiting to load the corpses of five more men into the back of it. The blooded bodies, four of them with their hands bound behind their back, all of them violently killed 
had been found in the basement of what was a children's holiday camp until Russian forces turned it into a temporary base. Russian soldiers and their president are tyrants, Mr. Matuyuk said. Whoever agreed to and carried out this war, they are inhumane. The bodies of around 300 civilians have been found in Bukha since Russian troops took control of the town, about 16 miles northwest of Kyiv, in the early days of the invasion, Mr. Matuyuk said. He predicted more would be discovered. Most of the victims were men, but he thought about 30% had been women and children. During the worst of the shelling there were a lot of bodies and we buried them in mass graves Mr. Matuyuk said. It had been frightening having to work in a war zone but the frank talking man, who is still able to smile, said, we got used to collecting bodies under the shelling. Russian troops finally pulled out of Bukha around four days ago as part of a wider withdrawal from across the Kyiv region. But as Ukrainian forces pushed back into the town, they found bodies left in the streets and in basements. Asked whether any of the corpses had revealed evidence of torture, Mr. Matuyuk said, yes, sure. For example, on Sunday, 20 out of 30 people had their hands tied. They died kneeling down, shot in the back of the head. We have also been collecting bodies from the streets of people who were killed riding their bicycles. Anyone who was outside riding or walking was killed systematically. It's terrible. I'm used to this now, but to start with I found it so shocking. I just want to thank my guys for doing it. It's a difficult job. In the basement at the holiday camp, three of the corpses had been shot in the head. Ukrainian officials said. A fourth man had been killed by a blow to the head from a rifle butt, while the fifth victim had been shot multiple times in the chest. Russia has denied responsibility for the killing of any civilians in Bukha, accusing the Ukrainian government of creating a provocation. However, in another part of the town, one resident described to Sky News how she personally witnessed a Russian soldier shoot one of her neighbors dead. Irina, 47, said the soldier had challenged the man for stepping outside his apartment block. They asked for his papers. He said, I don't have my documents with me. I live on the ground floor and I'll get them now, she recalled. Irina said she and her husband watched from their flat in the same block as he turned around to go back inside and retrieve his papers. But the man, who was not quite 50 years old, had barely stepped away when the soldier shot him in the back of the head, she said. He didn't even see it coming, he didn't even have time to say anything said Irina said. My husband and I heard a pop. And he fell. They did not dare step outside to recover the body, so it lay on the ground for hours. Eventually, Irina said her husband and some other neighbors dug a grave in the mud outside the back of the apartment block. The bodies of two other residents have also been buried there. They too were indiscriminately killed by the Russian soldiers, according to Irina. It's just terrifying she said her voice breaking and tears streaming from her eyes. It is impossible that this is happening in the 21st century. 
It's unimaginable that such a thing happened. You wouldn't wish that on anyone. What they did, so many people were killed, just for nothing. Iran blames US for nuclear talks pause. Tehran has called on Washington to make a political decision warning that Iran won't wait for ever negotiations aimed at reviving the 2015 nuclear deal have been paused because of Washington's position, an Iranian official has said. The talks in Vienna directly involve Iran, France, Germany, Britain, Russia and China, while the US is indirectly involved. Speaking to journalists on Monday, Iranian Foreign Ministry spokesperson Saeed Katabzaid said that America is responsible for the halt of these talks though he noted that a deal is very much within reach. He urged Washington to make a political decision for the deal's revival and warned that Tehran would not wait forever. Last Thursday, the U.S. State Department revealed that a few outstanding issues remain in the negotiations adding that it was up to Iran to resolve these matters. Iranian Foreign Minister Hossein Amir Abdullahian told UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres on Sunday that Tehran had passed on its proposals on the remaining issues to the American side through the EU senior negotiator adding that now the ball is in US court. In the phone conversation with Guterres, cited later by Iran's Foreign Ministry, Tehran's top diplomat also claimed that the countries were close to an agreement in the negotiations. Since the U.S. is not taking part in the talks directly, Tehran and Washington are communicating through other participants. Iran is demanding guarantees from America that no future president of the U.S. would withdraw from the accord, like Donald Trump did back in 2018. In addition, Tehran wants Washington to remove the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps a branch of the Iranian military from its terrorist list. Iran and the US are also having difficulty agreeing on the extent to which sanctions will be scaled back. In early March, the talks in Vienna were temporarily halted after Russia demanded guarantees that Western sanctions imposed on it over its military assault on Ukraine would not affect its trade with Iran. Later, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov indicated that Moscow had received the kind of written documents it had wanted. The negotiations, which have lasted nearly a year, are aimed at bringing both the US and Iran into full compliance with the terms of the 2015 nuclear deal, which Washington unilaterally pulled out of in May 2018. If the agreement is revived, the U.S. will be obliged to remove at least part of the crippling sanctions reimposed on Tehran by Trump, while Iran will have to reduce the level of uranium enrichment at its facilities, which had been increased in response to Washington's withdrawal from the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, JCPOA. The nuclear deal would also require Tehran to give the other signatories guarantees that it would not develop nuclear weapons which Iran has always denied trying to obtain anyway. We hope that you have enjoyed our podcast we thank you for your support. We hope to see you again next time.